It is the 200 level episode 354, Mike Carpenter, the basement studio on a Sunday morning, a beautiful Sunday in Champaign after a beautiful Saturday, which resulted in an Illini win, a much needed win to get them to 2-2 two and two on the season, 23-17 to 17 the final against the Florida Atlantic University Owls. We're calling this episode F-E-U because it was a game that wasn't particularly inspiring in the way that I know I and probably a lot of other Illini fans were hoping that it would be. The idea of the get-right game is when a team is struggling, you get a lesser opponent, and you use that opportunity to finally hone all the issues that have ailed you. Now, perhaps I was a little too optimistic that that's what we would get. Regardless, what we ended up getting was enough disjointed stuff, mixed in with some good, mixed in with some not-so-good to walk out of that stadium feeling not a whole lot different than how you felt walking in. And as Big Ten West play starts, and don't worry, we'll talk about the Big Ten West. As that begins this week against Purdue, I don't really know what to expect. Even with the week schedule ahead, I don't know what to expect because Fort Atlantic was the weakest team that you were going to play the rest of the year. And there were moments in that game where you looked like you were in control. When Illinois was up 20 to 23 to 10, I thought, you know, there's still a way that they can win this game and make us feel as if they've maybe not turned a corner, but figured some things out, at least enough that we would feel more comfortable going into Purdue, going to the Nebraska game two weeks later. But then you give up a 97-yard touchdown drive. Before that, your offense had a couple of blunders themselves that kept putting the defense in really bad positions. And it was just enough to make you kind of scratch your head and say, well, what have we really learned here? Now, Brett Bielema after the game was rather positive. And after a win, I I get it. I think there's something to maybe be said about just kind of getting your mojo back, feeling yourselves a little bit, and just remembering what it's like to win. You should not take any win for granted, even against FAU, that, by the way, they took Purdue down to the wire last year, and that Purdue team ended up winning the Big Ten West. Sometimes these non-conference games can go like that. But it would be different if any of the three games before that, Illinois had put together a complete game, and then were circling the FAU game as one where they just looked uncharacteristically sloppy. This was very characteristic for the team, and I think that's what is troubling regardless of how weak the competition is going forward. That you see these signs, and I do think there's still enough For this team to be all right, but then you see a few other signs which make you think, well, if we don't get bounces, even against these weak teams coming up, we aren't going to win a whole lot of games. And that's a precarious position to be in, especially as an Illini fan that have many times, at my age and then for older fans even more so, experienced the highest of highs only to fall not just back down to earth, but below, (laughs) like to the the depths of Big Ten irrelevancy. And I think that's all we're really asking for is some semblance of relevancy. And for Illinois football, that simply equates to making bowl games, seven, eight wins a year, just being good. I don't need great. I just need good. And unfortunately, this year, good has been fleeting. It's been a glimmer here and a glimmer there. But for the most part, wildly inconsistent. Yesterday, walking into the stadium, I was very hopeful, actually, for a clean performance. Didn't see that in the first drive, where you had some all okay moments, and there was a nice third-down conversion earlier in that drive that Luke was able to make for you that kept it going all the way down to pretty close to the red zone. 
And then you end up going for it on a fourth and three. And I was antsy enough where I kind of wanted them to because I'm thinking, this is FAU. It's time to make a statement. It's time to look like the big boy program that you want to be. And then they stuff you. Just vanilla run up the middle. The offensive line can't block it. And we'll talk about this dichotomy between the offensive line that's struggling and a play caller that either he is struggling or his hands are tied or it's a little bit of both. There's a dilemma going on offensively. And then when it was a 10-0 FAU lead, I looked at my friend. I'm like, I, I, I can't do this. I can't. <laughs> I mean, at this point, the hyperbole might have crept out there where I tweeted out, this is how you lose a fan base. But as, as reactive as that sounds, you could see in the stadium yesterday, 10,000 fewer people in the stadium, at least. Maybe tickets sold were pretty good. But the people in the stadium, far less than Toledo and Penn State. And it's the kind of thing that for a casual fan that would like to invest a little bit more into their football program, they're watching this, they see Illinois go down 10 nothing against FAU, and they say, I'm going to go mow the yard, or I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go do that. It's not the way that you build on momentum. And it was disappointing to see a team that was 1-2 and two, that had all the reasons in the world to come out yesterday and kick some ass not do so. I want to keep it very simple at the start of this. You know, I've, I've kept it simple in regards to these three games and that you got to win all three. And I still stand by that. Purdue and Nebraska, you got to beat them. But yesterday was not good enough. And when you're asking what would have been good enough, I think it's simply, well, covering the spread, winning by three scores against a team that was starting their backup quarterback who looked okay. I'll give him credit. Good passer, not mobile, but good passer. Against a much lesser opponent, when you need to start showing signs that you're better than those first three games. And instead, you got what you got. And it's just enough to kind of leave you scratching your head and thinking, all right, what can I expect from this season and what would make me happy? We talked about that last year or last week after the Penn State game, and I think most people have settled on just make a bowl game. And 6-6, six and six, it might not be something you get ecstatic about, but at least you would feel like you're building momentum. You didn't take too far of a step back. Let's try again next year, even though we'll be tougher next year with the Big Ten expanding like it is. But instead, <laughs> we sit here four games in. We're a third of the way into the season. We're one-third of the way into the season. And there's still more questions than answers. Now, maybe... I and other media people didn't do a good enough job equating that into our predictions and prognostications for this team. That's sure, you were replacing a lot. But I think what we also, and I say we using a blanket term for media or anyone, you could even take armchair sports media people on Twitter that probably said this is a 7-8 win team. I went the high road with nine, whoops, though I guess it's technically still on the table. But we were also factoring in that you yourselves didn't have to be that much better than last year. It was the fact that your schedule allowed for you to win a lot of games. And a lot of these same people would have predicted, actually, 2-2. Two and two. I was a little bit bold. I said 3-1. and one. Okay, well, you are 2-2, two and two, like many people might have thought you would be. But it's how you got to that 2-2. Two and two. It's how you've looked that leaves more questions than answers. Because even if you're at the same win-loss record as many of you listening probably expected, it doesn't feel like we'd probably want it to. That sounds 
Like I'm just talking intangible things, gut feelings, you know, our emotions about this team. That That's a little bit fuzzy and I get that, but it's all a result of what we actually see on the field. And I think even given our fairly modest expectations for this team, modest given the easy schedule and the fact they did still have quite a bit returning in the areas that you thought accounted the most, the line play especially, that we're sitting here thinking, (laughs) what is this team really good at? Now, before we get to the sponsors, I will tell you one thing that they are good at, defense. Yes, the 97-yard drive was troubling, but overall, the defense, they were kind of like the fire department last year. They put out some flames. We're going to talk about the young secondary and how exciting Zachary Toby was. Seeing Sabor Kareem out there, seeing some length at the corner position, they, they look like seasoned veterans. And the defensive line looking like themselves again. I know they didn't get many sacks, but they looked pretty good yesterday overall. The defense seems to be figuring things out. This is all about the offense, though. And that's what we'll talk about after the sponsors, starting with DP Doe. Online at DP Doe. They, uh, dpdo.com, excuse me. There is a .com in there. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So order online at dpdo.com for a custom calzone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. That is dpdo.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. If you are looking to maybe change insurance agents, I can tell you this right off the bat. They are super easy to work with. They will make sure they get a plan that fits any kind of coverage that you might need. Great State Farm prices, of course, but also the customer service, truly second to none. We appreciate Brian and his staff. And we'll stay with them forever. They've just been tremendous to work with. That's brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. It is furnace check season. Don't wait until it's too cold. I know the weather is absolutely perfect right now, but you feel that chill starting to hit in the evenings. Your furnace will need to kick up probably in a few weeks here. So get it checked with the folks at Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. That is 217-841-4728. 4728. And finally, Owen Builders LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. And I know winter's coming up, but these guys can work year round. We're talking home additions, patios and decks, kitchens, bathrooms. They have a gallery online if you want to check out their great work. And having met Luke and been able to talk with him for a while, I can say one thing that probably sets them apart is communication. For anyone that's worked with contractors before, that can kind of be a thing. Right. Contractors are not always the best communicators. Well, these guys are. They're timely. They will give you a quote for whatever project you're looking for. They'll get the work done on time and they'll get it done well. So check out their work online at owenbuildersllc.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them and appreciate you. If you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that goes a long way for helping people to find our podcasts that have never listened before. Okay, before we get into the meat of this podcast, uh, sip of coffee. Uh, fun weekend. Queens of the Stone Age, Friday night in Indianapolis. Great opener, Viagra Boys, which are kind of like a modern day Devo. Very punk. Amazing rock show. Go to bed, wake up five hours later. It's game day. And I was pretty excited to get back to Champagne, and we still had a full day's worth of tailgating. And walking into the stadium yesterday, what I was most excited about 
And sorry, someone's at the front door, so if you hear the dog, that's why. <laughs> Actually, a doorbell ringing, which who does that this day and age? Walking in, I think the story we all knew was going to be the offense. Now, Luke Altmeyer was probably the player everyone was focusing on the most, and he showed yet again that there are some legitimate skills there, and there is this moxie uh, kind of and kind of quality to him that you usually see from older players. I know he's a redshirt sophomore, so technically a junior as far as academics are concerned, but he does not necessarily look like a guy that's only started four college games. He did against Penn State, and you will face tougher defenses, whether it be Maryland has a solid one, and then Iowa, despite the fact they sucked yesterday, that's a good defense on the road at Iowa City. I expect that Luke will have another clunker or two this season, but... What you did see from him yesterday is encouraging because it looked as if he was able to sort of rectify what ailed him the week before without being timid, without being overly conservative. He is a bit of a gunslinger. He does take chances. He takes hits. And that's the offensive line we'll talk about. But man, he can deliver a ball. Now, there were two overthrows to Isaiah Williams that were a little bit disappointing because those are throws that in certain games you're going to have to make. And he was wide open. I'll give Lenny credit for scheming those plays the way that he did. But there were other throws that he did make. Throws to move the chains on third and longs. The run, the touchdown run that was so badly needed. That was a third and long, I believe. Third and goal from the nine or something like that. He got it done. The kid's a playmaker. And I was excited to see him yesterday, even after the Penn State four interceptions. I was excited to see this kid because there's something different about him. And we saw that come to uh, fruition yesterday against FAU. 300 plus yards, ran the ball a little bit. I'd like to see him run it more. Maybe they were playing it close to the best before you play Purdue next week and you really let him run wild because you should. But the story today is the offense as a whole. And there are two parts to this and I'm Struggling to figure out how much one impacts the other. Or if there's a pie chart of blame, how much blame do we assign one versus the other? The two factors, of course, are the offensive coordinator and the offensive line. Let's start with Barry Lunny. And I am, as anyone on Twitter can attest, becoming a little bit more skeptical that this is working as it presently is constructed. If you were to ask me, what's your problem with the play calling. like Let's focus on that. Beyond the execution, because there were execution problems yesterday with the offense that are not necessarily on the offensive coordinator. He can call a great play, but then either Malik Ellis, he might drop it, or an offensive lineman might hold, etc. I think my biggest issue with Lonnie is that 17 games in, other than when Chase Brown was really going after it last October, there is not an identity for what you want this offense to be. Last year, the run game, I think, was 8th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten. 7th or 8th. Maybe even less than that. It was more disappointing that you'd think, despite Chase Brown being the leading rusher in the nation. So you can't really say that last year, the identity of the offense was three yards in a cloud of dust, even though they actually had a pretty low average per run. What was it? I guess it was efficiency. I guess in October, when they went on that heater, it was complimentary football. It was time of possession. But ever since then, this offense has been in completely unable to consistently have an identity. In November, they started passing a little bit more because Chase Brown, opposing defenses, were keying in on him. 
And you saw the passing numbers actually go up for Tommy DeVito in the Michigan State and Purdue games, but you saw losses as a result. It didn't work. The Michigan game was close, and that felt a little bit more like the October teams, but the October games that you would won, but unfortunately with that, you couldn't make that one extra play, and you were probably a little too reliant on Chase Brown at the end of it. But really ever since last November, we're looking at an offense that is, despite the 500 yards yesterday, looking more and more inconsistent. Now, if we say the word worse, there are certain point outputs that would suggest otherwise. I guess scoring 23 at Kansas, or 23 yesterday, even though 23 is pretty mediocre. And then the opener against Toledo, what was it? Did he have 31, I think, when the game was over? We've seen worse, right? We have objectively seen worse. We saw worse with Tony Peterson as far as output. But the inconsistency, the the seemingly, you know, series by series change of what we're, you know, what we're trying to do out there. And for me, this is I test, this is layman stuff. The over-reliance on lateral kind of motion. The most glaring example yesterday was Hank Beatty getting a catch in the flat, getting blasted, fumbling it. I was surprised they didn't look at it, but it probably would have stood anyways. And thinking, why is that the call? Not just at this point in the game, but ever. When does that work? Not a lot. Teams are realizing that Illinois likes to go to the edge. They like to go outside to the receivers. And sometimes with an Isaiah Williams, that can work because you get him in space. But short of an Isaiah Williams bubble screen or kind of getting him out in the flat, I don't want to see that. Because over and over you see that and it is a total momentum killer. The running game, sometimes it just seems like there's not much imagination there. Now, you could ask fairly, if the offensive line is playing this badly, how much imagination can you really have? And would it make any bit of difference? That's fair. But I still think you have enough especially against an FAU, a perfect opportunity to really get going, to scheme up a a little bit more imaginative of a run game where you're getting your guys outside, bouncing them out a little bit. It's funny. I don't want them outside as much on the wide receiver, you know, the, the passing game. I do want them a little more outside in the run game. But then I say that, and then I'm kind of getting tired of the jet sweeps. And the, the offense was most effective yesterday when they were going vertical. Even when you miss the two throws to Isaiah Williams, okay, that sucks, and you wish you could have both of those back. But for the most part, when they got the wide receivers going 10, 15 yards, they were finding things, even with the limited time that Luke Altmaier had back there. They also found success when Luke got out of the pocket, whether it be a run that Luke could make or just a... Th- a throw while he's on the run. He's pretty good at that. There is a possibility that they weren't showing everything before Purdue. Ryan Walters, in some ways, will have a leg up because he does know the Illinois personnel fairly well, and maybe he'll be able to finally scheme a good defensive game plan for Purdue's defense against this Illinois offense. So maybe to counter that, Barry Lunny didn't want to show everything with Luke Altmaier's legs. We know it's there. And you were hoping that you didn't have to use it a ton against FAU. But going forward, that has to be a focus of this offense. Luke Altmaier is too much of a weapon. He and Isaiah Williams essentially are your offense. If they're clicking, you can make everything else around it work because that's something the defenses have to contend with. The notion of run the ball, come off the bus running the ball, that's not going to work for this team. And the quicker that Bielema and Lunny realize this and stop trying to square peg round hole it, the better off this team will be.
Of course, you'd like to run the ball more effectively. But it's not happening in first halves of games, certainly. And finally, yesterday, you did see it work in the second half, and I'm I'm sure that you started to wear FAU down a little bit, and time of possession got a little bit better yesterday as well. But overall, I guess if you were to ask me, what's your biggest problem with Lonnie? It's just, what the hell, what is this? What is this thing? What do we call this offense? We're 17 games in. I know there were major changes after last season, losing a Chase Brown and a Tommy DeVito. But the idea that in year two, you'd finally see the offense kind of coalesce and turn into something, that has not happened. And while we are only four games in, the other perspective could be, whoa, holy crap, we're already four games in. We're a third of the way to the season, and I don't know what this offense is, and frankly, not many people do. Now, Brett Bielema said he was encouraged. I'll take him at his word. I'll look at the box score, and I see 500-plus yards. I see 200 yards rushing, many of which were in the second half. That could be a recipe to winning games, but you scored 23 points. How does one only score 23 points with 500 yards? Maybe 30 if Caden Fagan runs it in instead of taking a knee, and you can make that argument too. But you were scratching and clawing, and the word that I used yesterday in a tweet and that I heard Jeremy and Joey use it on their podcast this morning, everything is so labored. It is a laborious offense to watch. They're clawing for everything. Why? I don't expect this to be a Big 12-esque offense with a snap of a finger. But in college football, good Lord, offense should not be this difficult. And I do think there are some playmakers that you have to work with. It was nice to see them yet again key in on Isaiah Williams. It feels like him and Luke have good simpatico. They, they will have that thing rolling all year and have some big, big games. Pat Bryant got involved again yesterday. It was good to see that. Malik Elzey, rough couple drops, but I'm glad that they're incorporating him. You see these positives. Lawfrey getting some good carries. Fagan getting some good carries. And McCray waking up in the fourth quarter. Yet, if you ask yourself, am I confident in this offense? The answer likely right now is no. If I asked you, do you think the offense can put together some good games? I think your answer would probably be yes, because we've seen bits and pieces. I would love to look foolish or reactive and have this offense come out and drop 30 on Purdue. I would love to be not proven wrong. I'm just reacting to what I see now. But I'd love to eat the proverbial crow and say, oh, okay, we just had to wait for it to click. You know, I, I would love to think that that is the case. But unfortunately, 17 games in with Barry Lunny, I'm not sure what this thing is, and I'm not sure if it will click. And if it doesn't, I don't think your defense is at a level that can help you win 13 to 10 games, even against this really weak Big Ten West. So that's the first thing. Barry Lunny who I enjoyed the interview with him. Someone joked yesterday, oh, you're probably going to have Barry Lunny on the show again because I was being critical online. In college football, it can't be this labored. You're looking at an offense that is somewhere in the 80s and 90s since he took over. And that is better than Tony Peterson, but that's the skinniest kid at that camp kind of thing. It's It's got to be better than that. And it'd be one thing if I felt there was a complete dearth of talent offensively. I don't know if that's the case. So... Maybe he's figuring things out. Maybe it's harder than, well, not maybe. I'm sure it is a very difficult job. This is not to say that, you know, I could do better 
or we just point at someone and say, hey, you be offensive coordinator and go do it. No, it's not that. But they got to fix this. And fixing it would just be a more consistent offense that can help the defense stay fresh, stay off the field, and not put them continually in bad positions. Thank God for the defense yesterday. Three red zone stops. Hey, and credit to this offense. Our offense is scoring in the red zone now, so that's really good. But uh, it just leaves you wanting. And I think we would be kidding ourselves if we said, eh, they were fine yesterday. Fine? I don't know. Consider the opponent. That is the easiest defense you'll play against the rest of the year, and you put up 23. And even if I grant you the 30 with the Caden Fagan touchdown, there were far too many moments in that game where they looked outright bad and they were not helping out their other units at all. The other part of this offense that has us scared, as it should, is the offensive line. I don't know why they are as bad as they are, but they're just outright bad right now. We have been told, and and track record would suggest that this is true, that Bart Miller is a really good offensive line coach. But what the heck is going on here? You know, Josh Krutz is your center. He's the youngest guy in that line. The other four, well, Geske is a new piece as well. But the other three were on that line all of last year. And you would think that the veterans that you did have on that line would help it solidify in some way, shape, or form. And man, they struggled yet again. There was one play where Luke held on to it too long. And that resulted, was it the sack and fumble or whatever? I think it was a fumble. Bad play by Luke. He did have time on that. But there were other times where Luke didn't have hardly any time at all. He was avoiding danger for far too many times considering the opponent. And I think the offensive line between that and their inability to run block in the first half yesterday, this was supposed to be a strength. And that is based on years a performance from Brett Bielema and Bart Miller offensive lines. And they stink. Now, Purdue, their defense ain't so great. Nebraska's defense, eh, they're, they're fine. These are not world beaters on the defensive line that you're going to be facing the next two weeks, but you can guarantee that they're going to be bigger and stronger than what you saw against Ford Atlantic. How do you fix it? I don't know. I mean, Slaughter didn't get any tick yesterday, according to Jeremy Warner, and I, I was just kind of locked in on the overall performance without noticing if they were rotating guys in and out or not. But yeah, they were not. They were not. They were going with those five guys for the most part. And it's a little bit worrisome if this is, in fact, your best five. Now, it was their second game together in this formation. And it can get better. You know, there were times, especially in 2021, where that offensive line looked putrid. And then they eventually kind of figured something out. They were serviceable for the second half of last of that year, of 2021. Maybe that's the aim, is just to get back to that. And I think if you do, your offense can stabilize a little bit. And I'm sure that it is having an impact on Barry Lunny's play calling. But it's got to be better. That's just the long and short of it. And this is one of the reasons why I was so encouraged by hiring Bielema in the first place, was it seemed like fundamentally you were going to match up with other teams. And the... The thing that could get you in trouble, because you're Illinois, is a lack of talent compared to your opponents. But at least you wouldn't get outperformed that much in the trenches. Uh, the, the fundamental basic things that help teams win Big Ten West games, basically, don't screw up. This offensive line's screwing up. And there were a couple plays yesterday, especially where Chrysler 
just a simple little swim move by the defensive lineman. He was gone right by Chrysler. No resistance whatsoever. You got to think about personnel changes again, I would think. And I understand wanting continuity there and wanting them to kind of gel. And maybe they do. But now all these games really matter. Two and two, we can call that a wash if we want to. And now you have seven, or excuse me, six of your last eight are against the Big Ten West. So time is of the essence. Like It starts now. It has to start now. Offense going into Purdue, I don't know what to expect. You know, I, I, if they get you 24 points a game, I think you're going to win enough to get to a bowl game. I can't expect much more from them. And yet, you do see the occasional big play or the ability to make a big play or the possibility, like the two Isaiah Williams overthrows, of making big plays. Maybe they figure it out. Maybe the light switches on. Maybe Luke Altmeyer is just that guy that can help you do it. And I'm more encouraged about him bouncing back the way that he did. But gosh darn it, figure it out. Defense, talked about them. They're fine. They're good. I think solid. Uh, you know, there were a couple secondary penalties with Xavier Scott with a defensive holding that negated a really big sack by Gabe Ackes. That was a well-called play by Aaron Henry, who I think is really doing a good job tinkering with personnel, but still maintaining a relatively simple, straightforward, and aggressive defense. And that'll do. That'll do. You know, against the teams you're playing, I think this defense will be just fine. They're going to keep you in games. It is really going to fall back down to the offense, which we knew would be the story this year anyway. Now, I asked a question on Twitter, and this might lead into the Big Ten West discussion. After yesterday's win against FAU, how are you feeling about this Illini team? The three options I gave, encouraged, discouraged, and about the same. 12.6% of respondents were encouraged. We got about 200 votes. 27.6% were discouraged. So about double were discouraged. Whopping 60% of respondents said, yeah, they feel about the same. And that's why the name of this podcast is F-E-U. Eh, eh, whatever. I would say I'm probably in the about the same camp as well. Because if I said discouraged, that would make it sound like I was feeling good about the first three games. I was only feeling good about the potential that these three games were the get-right opportunity for this team to start feeling themselves again and get some wins. But I'm going to stick with about the same as well. And here are some of the replies that we got from Jacob. About the same after the PSU loss. D looks better. O is still very disjointed. How can he have 500 yards of offense and only 23 points to show for it? Jacob, that's the main crux of it for me as well. From David, as an older fan here that's seen the decline of the program since the mid-90s, I've seen this movie before. Promising signs from a prior season and then a head-scratching play that leaves you wondering where this is going. And relying on a down west hasn't always worked in the past. Bottom line, I'm tired of trying to project where I think or hope this program is heading. Nothing I've seen so far demonstrates bowl team, and until they show otherwise, I'll just assume another losing season and move on with my Saturdays. Whitman and Bielema have work to do. David, I'm not ready to just move on with my Saturdays. That we, we have a gig next Saturday, and they moved the game to 2.30, so it's great. Game's at 2.30, gig's at 7. I'll be able to watch most of it, and maybe the second half as we're setting up our equipment, I'll just listen to it on the radio, or I'll have my laptop streaming Peacock Network. But you mentioned something, David. Relying on a down West hasn't always worked in the past. That's true. 
the West in general has been down for a while, and we haven't taken advantage of it. So to simply sit here and say, well, hey, the, the schedule's easy. Yeah, it is. Last year's team in this Big Ten West probably would have went 10-2. and two. They actually would have. But it's not last year's team that had the cohesion that they did. There's no real cohesion yet. We're waiting for that. And I can't rely on it either, David, because to do that, I would be turning a blind eye to what we've seen or more to the point, what we haven't seen which is consistent football. So as bad as the other teams are, and it is very true that you might play these games and you just happen to get the bad versions of each of them, and you go on to win eight games because the schedule is just that bad. And I'll take it. I'm not picky as to how you get to a a winning season or a 6-6 and bowl season. I'm not picky. But we've relied on that before, and it doesn't doesn't always pay off. We are a team that others are looking at as a, as a potential win. Take the bad teams right now. Purdue's playing badly. They look at Illinois not as, oh, crap. They look at Illinois on Saturday as, oh, they haven't looked so great either. Let's beat them. Let's get back on the winning side here. You take a team like even Minnesota, losing to Northwestern last night. But that game in November, they're looking at the rest of their schedule with Ohio State and Michigan looming two losses right there and thinking, how the heck are we going to get to six? And they are probably counting that Illinois game at home as, hey, we should probably win that. And by the way, I've amended my pick just out of, by default, you lose to Northwestern like that, leading 31-10 to the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, that Minnesota game for Illinois is a game they should win. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I think that Minnesota might objectively be bad, and I think that Trevor had made reference to that before the season, that they might be sneaky bad. We lost Chase Brown and Tommy DeVito. Well, they lost uh, Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan. Now, I think our quarterback replacement is fine. Um, theirs is not. Kalakakakis or whatever is not. He's not good. And even though they got a few running yards yesterday, they are not your signature P.J. Fleck Minnesota team that's just going to kind of sleepwalk their way to a 7 or 8 win season. I don't think that's what's going to happen. So, David, I'm with you. You cannot take that for granted. Just because everybody else sucks does not mean there are automatic wins out there. You play like you did yesterday against Ford Atlantic, against Purdue and Nebraska, you could very well go 0-2, which would be a disaster. So think, something has to click here. I mean, they have to play better. They have to play cleaner. They, it's got to happen now. And that's why I said this three-game stretch is so crucial. From Dave, I don't have any confidence in the offense. Nothing seems to be clicking. Completing passes and breaking decent runs just seems so laborious. There's that word again. I can't see them executing consistently enough to win against any half-decent opponent. I mean, Dave, that might sound like worst-case scenario, but again, we're looking at the schedule and saying, well, they can win this, 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 and this, and the word is can. It's hard for me to say the word should, like I would like to. I think they should win the next two. I think most of us would agree that they should win the next two. But that should is not necessarily based on what we've seen so far. I think that's me as a fan kind of projecting, uh, guys, you got to win this. And they do. They, they do have to win these next two games, in my mind. From K. Andrew Defley. Hey, K. Andrew. Bob Seeger would tell me, you're still the same. McCray's game yesterday illustrates my thoughts on money since Toledo. He schemed Josh to play to his weaknesses through the first three games. Play calling is hindered, will hinder everyone on offense. McCray is a great example. 
interesting. Uh, this is uh, he kind of quote tweeted himself here about um, McRae and why it started working in the fourth quarter. And he said, look at McCray in two attempts. O-line doesn't even need a block rate. Just call plays from running forward so he can fall forward. Maybe they could have been calling plays all along to get him perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, running straight to or through the point of attack. You know, okay, Andrew, I'd have to go back and watch the tape if I were to say that, you know, he was getting calls like off tackle or trying to move him more lateral than forward. With McCray in the first half when he looked bad and then even early in the third quarter, there was just no burst, and there was no forward momentum. The falling forward thing wasn't really even happening. And I don't think McCray has run particularly well, even with the bad offensive line. But I think with him, you do have to keep it simple and let him be the sort of workhorse between the tackles. And as boring and vanilla as that might sound, that's probably the best kind of situation for him. From Blockhead, something's really wrong with the O-line, and I don't think we have obvious answers to fix it. Only encouragement is in we're in what appears to be the worst division in Power 5 history. I mean, there might be an argument for that, actually. IU, Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska should be wins if this team has a pulse. At this point, I'll take an ugly 6-6. Six and six. I will, too. Blockhead, you're right about all those. All those four teams you listed. You should. You should. The thing that I keep falling back on with these next two games as well, and you did not mention Purdue Blockhead, so maybe you don't feel great about that. But Purdue and Nebraska, to me, are very big for this program, especially Purdue, which we'll, we'll end this show talking about Purdue. Third-year Bielema needs to beat first-year Ryan Walters and first-year Matt Rule. He just does. You have enough. It is not a question of being outmanned. I don't think, in these next two games. So you have got to be the better coaching staff. You've got to out-scheme these two first-year coaches that are just trying to figure out what their program is. We are not asking for greatness. We're just asking in year three for you to kind of have a better idea what you are and what you're good at. We'll, we'll talk about Purdue at the end of this podcast because the, I, I do think that it is massive beyond just the win-loss component. From C. Vance, one, defense seems to be on track. Most of the second half was second string when FAU had their one sustained drive for a TD. Overall, they're solid. Offense seems to have a line issue. Although they did put up 500-plus yards, they had a TD call back and Fagan went down. At 14 for a 37-17 win, and I feel like this is a much different conversation for the offense. Fourth quarter run game has me encouraged, and also the four-plus-minute drive to seal the win was impressive. Definitely something to build off of. So C. Vance might have been one of those that selected encouraged, and you do make two good points here, C. Vance. Uh, the touchdown that was called back, I'm trying to remember which one that was, though. And the time that Fagan went down, you are talking about two potential scores there, and yeah, it does simply feel different if it's 37-17. to 17. And why I am not completely discouraged is that when this offense gets going, as they did a couple drives in the second quarter, it can actually be kind of fun to watch. They do have a big play potential that I don't think they really had last year in the passing game. So there's something there. They just have yet to crack it consistently enough for me to feel great about it. But C. Vance, I think, feels a little bit better than I do. Garrett says, one, encouraged because the defense has started to show up and our division is winnable. Still my goal. Wow. Well, I'd love that, Garrett. I'm just looking for a bowl game now, but hey. 
As bad as parts of the O-line have been, they did not have a healthy spring or fall camp to gel together, and I think more reps will only help. Garrett, let me get to your second message here. Two, that FAU team actually held Clemson's rushing attack in check and played close to the pretty good Ohio team. We wanted domination to establish the run as our identity, but I think FAU has a more stout run defense than our next two opponents. Luke's bounce back was big. So Garrett and C. Vance might be a little more optimistic than I am. I, I don't think that Purdue is some massive uptick in competition based on the way they're playing. I don't think that next Saturday is going to be, whoa, this is a different ball game. They look very weak right now. Was not able to watch the game Friday because we were at a concert. So I'm texting a few people that did asking, was this a case of Wisconsin being good or Purdue being bad? And most went with the latter. Maybe some of that was not wanting to give Luke Fickle and uh, Mordecai, the quarterback, credit for putting up 38 points, but it does sound as if Purdue is just a mess. They're just a mess. And if it's fun sometimes to go on Twitter, and I mentioned this last year, when an opponent loses and you want some schadenfreude, search for the opponent coach's name on Twitter, and you see all the reactions. Now, there happens to be some political story with some guy named Ryan Walters, and he's not a very well-liked guy. I don't know where this guy came from. So every other tweet is about Purdue's Ryan Walters, and they aren't happy in West Lafayette. If it turns ugly on Saturday, that stadium is going to get pretty quiet and pretty uneasy. You got an opportunity here against what I think is maybe just a bad Purdue team, maybe just bad, like two win bad. Can't lose it. I'm getting, that's going to be my mantra all freaking week. Can't lose. I'm going to wake up Saturday. It's not going to be like, yay, it's game day. It's going to be like, yeah, you got to win. You got to win. Stop pussyfooting around here and win. From Tag. Same about us, though. Our D is coming around. Uh, oh, felt the same about us. D is coming around, and more than anything, we learned that our division is winnable. God, did we ever. From Jeremy. I was encouraged by some of the freshman contributions, uh, contributions, excuse me, particularly those of Toby and uh, Sabor Kareem. It feels like the defense has settled in. Meanwhile, the offense still leaves a bit to be desired. We still don't have an identity, and I think Lenny's play calling adds confusion. Jeremy had a couple replies to this. I want to see if I get that. So the play calling adds confusion. That's how you put it, Jeremy. I think for me, disjointed is a word that's been flying around, and that's kind of what I go back to with it. It just doesn't feel smooth, except when it does. And it did for a couple drives yesterday, and you could say for the last game-winning drive, where I think the run game, the best moments this year have been into the Toledo game, and then the last drive yesterday, where you milk the clock. The run game looked like the run game they probably want to have. But yeah, I would agree that there is some confusion uh, confusion when I'm watching this offense, Jeremy, just trying to figure out what the heck it really is. So this is from Eric. Thought yesterday would be a, a get-right game that we dominate, and it should have been. The O-line struggles worry me, and we need to get that cleaned up, or we won't be able to take advantage of a weak West. And that's it. If they don't clean it up, Eric, they do not take advantage of a weak West. Some team will figure it out more than you at this rate. Now, Illinois can figure it out, Keyword can, and I think they have enough guys where personnel-wise, they can compete with any team in the West, even if other teams in the West start getting right themselves. The rest of this year is really, I think, going to be very telling about this current staff. As encouraged as I am with Bielema overall, and I still think that you, you got to roll with this for a while because this guy, I think, has the best 
knowledge and experience to really build a sustainable something here, whatever that may look like in the new look Big Ten. But I think this year is a major opportunity for them to really prove to fans that, oh, well, wait a second. They do have something here. Imagine this for a second. Imagine this team ends the season 7-5. and five. I think most people would be very happy, even against a weak Big Ten West, because 7-5 and five would tell you that they won the games they should have won. So far, they have won the two games they should have. By the skin of their teeth and by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin, chin, but they did. Penn State and Kansas, okay, fine. Kansas is 4-0. Big home win against BYU yesterday. Penn State... Smoked Iowa. Smoked him. You look better than I. I mean, you look better than Iowa, guys. You objectively look better than Iowa. The team that we predict, or many do, will win the Big Ten West kind of by default. I mean, it is right there in a way. So I, I am torn between I just get to six, which I'm I'm kind of at right now because of how inconsistent they've been. And on the other hand, thinking, guys, holy crap, is this an opportunity? Even more of an opportunity than we would have thought. When I made a 9-3 and three prediction at the beginning of the year, it was based on the assumption that the Big Ten West would stink. I did not know it was going to stink this bad. Again, Minnesota lost to Northwestern. If I'm a Minnesota fan today, I'm dreading a 3-9 and nine kind of year. They'll probably go 5-7. and seven. Let's say that. That's fair. How do you lose that game? And that doesn't mean Northwestern's good. That doesn't mean Northwestern's going to be a surprise team. They won't be. But they have the same record as Minnesota at this point. Two and two. And Minnesota, while they are one and one in the conference, because they did get that one against Nebraska, Nebraska stinks. And now Nebraska's thinking that was a bad loss. Purdue looks terrible. So that really leaves you with Iowa and Brian Ferentz as their play caller. Zero points yesterday. 76 yards of offense for the game. I think Illinois had that in their first two drives against Penn State. You can be better than all these teams. You can. Why not? But then the other part of me says, Carp, just chill. Make a bowl game. But yeah, Eric, they can take advantage of this. Will they? That's up to them. This could be one hell of a, a reclamation project by this coaching staff. I mean, they go on to win the West, even in this weak-ass division. Starting the way they did and winning the West would absolutely have people over the moon. Alani fans, all the 10,000 about season tickets, they're sticking. You'll get a few more. People will say, hey, they won the games they should have won. And I really think for Alani fans, if you start doing that, if you just win the games you're supposed to, we're okay with that. Factor in some non-conference games and hopefully some easier Big Ten matchups. Win the games you should, and then you're probably out of the basement probably making bowl games consistently. All right, this is from Banana Champagne. I'm still okay. A win is a win, and next week is a new game. I'm probably a little more positive because Illinois has completely given up in a long time. Well, I'll say this, Banana Champagne, one of my favorite usernames. When it was 10-0, it could have gotten bad, and instead they respond with two straight touchdowns. Hey, credit to them. There is some fight in this team, to use a cliche, but there is. There's some toughness. It doesn't look the prettiest. It doesn't look the most effective or efficient, I should say. But there's some fight in them. 
the Toledo game, they had to fight to win that. The Kansas game, I mean, they kind of fought in the second half, and I really thought they fought from the outset against Penn State, and then the turnovers just doomed you. But at a certain point, you do have to just out-execute the opponent. And yesterday, I can't say they did that against FAU. They were just bigger and stronger and faster enough, and they got the win by virtue of that. From six shooter, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. That seems to be the big thing now, six shooter, where if you were to figure that out, I think you feel really good about rattling off some wins. But if that offensive line is playing like this the rest of the year, I don't care if it's the Big Ten West or not. You are going to struggle to win games. And from Phil, still feel like a 6-7 win bowl team to me like before the season got a win next week. Let's talk about next week. We will, I think, have a podcast with Harry midweek. We'll certainly do a midweek podcast no matter what. This Purdue game, I think, is massive on a couple of levels. One is just for the macro of this season. You know, if you want to make a bowl game, these are games that you need to win. You're playing a Purdue team that is struggling mightily right now. And sure, they're going to need this game. And I understand they'll probably come out hot and ready to go. But I don't really care about that. How are each of these teams playing? As rough as Illinois has been, Purdue arguably has been worse. And this is such an opportunity to just go in there, beat a team while they're still yet to have figured things out, especially defensively. Get in there, get the win, don't care how you do it. That's it. This is truly one of those, if you win by a point, I'm as ecstatic as if you win by 30. But on another level, this game is huge. The narratives that are going to be circling this week, Ryan Walters, the protege against his former coach, former boss, the narratives will kind of get people back in the mood for this game despite both teams struggling in the early going. I don't think that it would sit well with Illini fans if you lose to your former defensive coordinator in his first year as a young head coach while you have all this depth of experience on your staff, when you have the, was it, 15th year head coach in Brett Bielema, I, I don't think that can happen. I think that there would be damage to the confidence that fans have in Brett Bielema. And you might say, well, Carp, that's a bit dramatic. But I do think that this game with the extra juice and the narrative behind it, it does. I think it does. And winning it goes a long way in kind of reasserting, I'm the veteran coach. I've done this before. I'm the right guy for the job. This fan base right now is starved for a feel-good moment. They've yet to really have one this year. Yes, the fourth and four pass to Casey Washington, that was a moment. But winning that game was a sense of relief. Winning this game, even if it's by a point in the ugliest of fashions, is not a sense of relief. It's a sense of joy. Something that Illini fans have not really felt this year. I think it is massive. Absolutely massive. Maybe as a self-protective kind of thing, kind of wearing the proverbial cup so we don't get the groin punch on Saturday. I'm waking up that day saying, yeah, we got to win this. That's it. And almost not taking any excuses to the contrary. I don't think there are any excuses if you are who you think you are, if you want to get where you want to get. And this team apparently still thinks that. 
there's no excuses for losing Saturday. You need to get it done. I've granted this team some grace. After the one and two start, yeah, I watched that Penn State game and I, I wasn't really getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated yesterday because at a certain point, how much grace can you grant? How many excuses or pretzel logic can you talk yourself into that, well, yeah, I'm not too worried about it because if you think about it, FAU's backup quarterback is actually a more efficient passer than their starter. No, <laughs> their quarterback was fine. He had a, a good enough game, but Casey Thompson was, was the playmaker. Would have made things a little more interesting, probably. I'm not going to do the pretzel logic, rationalization thing. I understand that a lot of players left from last year's team, good players, went to the pros. But the teams that are on your schedule year in, year out in the Big Ten West all got worse. Somehow, they all got worse. Maybe Wisconsin is the outlier. And I tell you what, if you're a Wisconsin fan, you're starting to think, Boy, in this stink division, we, we should win. But hey, Illinois, you get them at home. Something to consider. But everybody got worse. And you can afford to get a little worse. But if you get proportionally worse than the other teams, then I don't care how weak the division is. You just aren't going to win enough to make this a feel-good year. The feel-good vibes start Saturday. They have to. That's it. I haven't even mentioned the payback element. We haven't really had one of those games this year where Brett Bielmas had to rally the troops to say, okay, guys, remember last year when this team we're about to play beat us? We haven't had that yet this year because the first four opponents we didn't play last year. You beat Penn State two years ago, so you didn't have that, all right, guys, we got to get them back. You have got to get Purdue back. For the way that you lost that game last year when you had, I don't want to say no business losing it. Aiden O'Connell was very good that game. But you still should have won it. And he came out a little flat, didn't execute. It was a bad day, really bad day at the stadium. You owe them. This week, there needs to be a new focus over there. They need to be ready to kick some ass. And I would like to think that Trevor and Harry's initial prediction that we were going to go in and just smack Purdue around because that's what Bielema's teams do. I'd like to think that could still happen. But again, margin is not my concern. It's a Big Ten West game, the win is all that matters. It is a rivalry with some extra oomph behind it. Get the damn win. It has to start Saturday. I hope it does, but right now I think it's a coin flip. And, ooh, that's a little scary. So this week, we'll be back midweek, probably with Harry Black, to really talk about that Purdue game. And I think as the week goes on, its importance, we'll feel it more and more. We will feel it more and more as each day passes and we get closer to Saturday. I like that it's not a night game anymore. I like that it's kind of off the beaten path on Peacock, pain in the butt that it may be. Uh, I I don't need any more extra anxiety to build up through the day before this. I just, I kind of wish it was an 11 a.m. game. Let's just play it and get it out of the way. But I do know that no matter how they get the win, if they got the win, it would feel great. Not relief, joy. Let's feel some joy again. Because with Illini football, much as I like the overall direction where things are going, it's been a while. You could actually say October 29th, last year at Nebraska, was the last time that you felt joy watching an Illinois football victory. Let's get back to that. All right. Before we get out of here, DP Doe, I'm on a dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen, I'm on at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, 
home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. But brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. That is Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com. Home additions, decks, patios, kitchens, bathrooms. Check out their gallery of all their excellent work at owenbuildersllc.com. Got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network. And thank you, the listeners and the viewers. And if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that'd be much appreciated so some new Illini fans can discover us as well. Have a great week, everybody. We'll be back midweek to talk about an absolutely massive game on Saturday. Let's win. Let's get the good vibes back. We need it. This team needs it. And it's about damn time. Have a great week, everybody. I guess go Bears, but nah, who really cares? It is the 200 level.